This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of February 10th, 2014, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 119 of Defender Radio. We're bringing you two bear stories this week. First up will be Mike McIntosh of Bear With Us Sanctuary, who is leading the charge against the return of the spring bear hunt in Ontario, and will update us on the facts, arguments, and actions we can all take. Following that, we're chatting with Bev McMullen, the photographer who captured the horrific beating of a bear with a rock on a highway in northern Ontario late last year, and whose follow-up on the story led to charges being laid. We also have a new segment of Wild in the City with Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control that will answer one of the most common questions raised during wildlife conflict in the home. Last year, the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources announced that they would be reintroducing the defunct spring bear hunt on a trial basis to control what they consider to be nuisance bear situations. While the science and literature reviews conducted by their own staff contradict this decision, Strong pressure from hunting lobbyists has pushed this agenda forward. Mike McIntosh, a bear expert and head of Bear With Us Sanctuary and Rehabilitation, has been speaking publicly about the hunt and joins us now to bring us up to date. Hey Mike, why are we being told there needs to be a spring bear hunt in northern Ontario? Well, according to the Minister of Natural Resources, he's claiming that um, people have the right to be able to go out and uh, live their lives in northern Ontario, even though there is bears. And uh, they still have that right. Uh, they claim there's a there's a public safety issue, potentially, and they also want to reduce the nuisance bears. With all the research we've been doing, including reviewing the MNR's own data, we have not found a single credible reason other than economic gain to reintroduce the spring bear hunt. Could you expand a bit on that? Certainly can. Uh, the reason they can't find any credible reason because there isn't one. However, I think the government, or in particular the Minister of Natural Resources of Ontario, has been misled or brainwashed by a very small minority hunter lobby group. And uh, he's been fed some information that uh, suggests that uh, bear population has risen dramatically and nuisance bear incidents have also risen dramatically and that people's lives are at stake. Unfortunately, this is all misinformation, and um, when you look at the minister and the government's press releases, it almost quotes the Hunter Lobby Group word for word. The general public in the north, uh, I can understand their concern, because uh, if you state state a, an untruth often enough, it can often be perceived as truth, and this has been going on for the last 10 or so years. The facts are, though, are, are totally uh, in uh, opposite to what are being stated. First of all, the Ministry of Natural Resources, their own scientists, uh, have done studies, and and they indicate in every study that nuisance bear um, incidents and spring bear hunting have no correlation. In other words, a spring bear hunt will not reduce nuisance bear incidents. People's habits will. And natural bear foods in their wild habitat can affect nuisance bear incidents as well. Regarding public safety, uh, there has yet to be um, a person attacked and killed in Canada within a municipality 
where there's been bears roaming around, i.e. walking up and down the streets or breaking into somebody's house, uh, looking for easy available food, such as food in the garbage or bird feeders. This has not happened. The um, four recorded bear attacks in the last 100 years in Ontario resulted in seven fatalities. Seven fatalities. These were not nuisance bears or bears were used to human activity because bears that are used to human activity have yet to seriously injure anybody. To put that in perspective, seven people have been killed by black bears in Ontario in the last 100 years. In the last 30 years, 1982 to 2012, 497 people were killed by dogs across Canada and U.S. That's a pretty stark number when you put it that way. Yes, now mind you, uh, we're, we're comparing the bear attacks in Ontario. However, the total bear attacks on people in uh, North America in the last 100 years is just over 60, compared to 497 fatal attacks by dogs in just a 10-year period. Or sorry, a 30-year period. I think we should mention that the spring bear hunt is not the only hunting of bears in Ontario. We're not going from a complete ban to hunting of bears. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, that's true. Uh, black bears are hunted in Ontario for three and a half months of the year, middle of August to the end of November. And there's another um, angle to this, too. When they start baiting bears, that's how they hunt them. They get them used to food which anybody who knows anything about bears encourages people not to do. We don't try to uh, get bears used to human source food because that encourages them to come around people more often. Not all bears at a bait site are shot. The bears in the springtime are baited and are also hunted with hounds, which is not only cruelty to animals on both the bears and the dog sense, it's totally unethical because it also disturbs other wildlife as the hounds race through the bush chasing some poor, unfortunate little bear. And I say little bear because most often it's the younger bears that get targeted. Um, if, if, I think if the majority of people in Ontario knew how bears are hunted, they'd be totally appalled. And uh, just, uh, just to make it clear too, this isn't necessarily a hunter versus a non-hunter issue because many hunters, many ethical hunters, do not condone hunting bears in the spring. And many ethical hunters do not condone baiting animals of any kind to shoot them, like they bait bears. With hunting in the spring, one of the big concerns is the number of orphaned bear cubs. We're being told by governments and hunting lobbies that they can tell if it's a mother bear, so it won't be an issue. But the experts all say it will remain an issue. What's your stance on that? Well, it's totally true. If they're going to shoot bears in the spring, there's going to be orphan cubs. Uh, because female bears in the spring are nursing small cubs. They don't generally take the, uh, have the cubs follow them around when they're in the early spring when they're looking for food. So the female bears are normally alone without their cubs. The cubs are stashed away in a tree. The other thing is that the cubs are small and they demand not a lot of milk from the female bear's mammaries. Therefore, her mammaries are small, hard to detect amongst the fur. So it would be very easy for somebody to mistake a female bear for a sub-adult male and shooter, orphaning the cubs. And this isn't uh, just a possibility. This this happens, and there's you know there's lack of documentation to prove it because nobody really calls up some 
some authority and say, you know what, I shot a mother bear and after cubs, the whole family dies. I guess the whole thing comes down to, what can we do about it? If there is a perception that there are more nuisance bears in northern Ontario, is there a solution that does not require lethal control? Absolutely. We, first, there's a few things we can do about it. Those who care, we can make a lot of noise. We can also get the facts out there so people understand that there is facts that counteract the uh, the uh, total bull that's been spread around by a few small groups. Um, Bearwise program was one of the best uh, programs in all of North America when it came to coexistence with bears. It was uh, it was very effective and very educational to help people learn to deal with bears on their own. It just needed to be implemented in a bigger way, and it needed buy-in from the communities. Unfortunately, the communities that are affected by nuisance bears take the easy way out. They tend to buy in the misinformation and the propaganda that was spread around by this lobby group of hunters, and uh, they believe that their public, uh, their townspeople are in danger, and they believe that nuisance bears have risen as the population has. All these things are untrue. Ministry of Natural Resources um, documents back up what I'm saying. It doesn't back up what the the uh, other group is saying. Since we last spoke on the Fender Radio when this was announced, there is now a new website, ontariospringbearhunt.ca, that has all of this information and resources. But there's also a section on what you can do. And that's what a lot of people are asking. What are the available options to people right now? Well, we'd appreciate people taking a few moments to do things that are effective. On that website, there are links to every uh, MPP in Ontario. And we ask people to write a letter opposing the spring bear hunt to their local MPP and also to the premier. There's also a printed, there's also a link to a petition and a cover letter that can be printed off. It needs to be signed. There's about 11 signatures per page or whatever, but if you can get uh, somebody to get their friends and them to sign this petition and mail it to the address on the cover letter. The reason we're asking for a signed petition, it is far more powerful as a tool because this will be tabled in the legislature of Ontario. There's also for people who don't live in Ontario, an online petition. The online petition is effective in the, in the sense that it gives the government an idea of the numbers of people that oppose. That petition, by the way, has almost 9,000 signatures on it in a few short weeks. Um, sign it as well, please. But people of Ontario, please take the moment to sign the written petition, get as many as you can, and mail it to the address on the cover letter. And again, if you can take a few more moments, send a letter to your MPP via email and to the Premier to let them know you oppose the spring bear hunt. Very much appreciated. The bears need it. To learn more about how you can get involved, visit ontariospringbearhunt.ca. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 
750-9453. BearSmart.com is the most comprehensive resource on the web for all things bear. At BearSmart.com, we work hard to ensure people and bears safely and respectfully coexist. Join us as we give bears a voice at BearSmart.com. Every year, dogs, cats, endangered species, and even people are caught in cruel leg-hold, conibear, and other body-gripping traps across Canada. Who will speak out for these innocent victims of an outdated industry? We will. I'm Leslie Fox, Executive Director of the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. With your support, we can bring an end to the needless and painful deaths of hundreds of thousands of animals. Become a member today at furbearerdefenders.com to find out how you can give hope for our fur-bearing friends. This is Defender Radio. Joining us now is Brad Gates for his weekly segment, Wild in the City. Wild in the City with Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Something you're often asked, Brad, is whether or not wildlife control is something homeowners should attempt to do themselves. Wildlife control is a profession and relies on extensive knowledge of wildlife behavior and biology and um, during, certainly during the, the different seasons because animals are doing different things at different times of the year and you, you need to understand what they're doing in order to effectively uh, control them. Um, and behind all this is um, a lot of experience. Until you've you put in your time, and, and even today after 30 years, I'm still learning about wildlife and, and how to best approach their removal. Um, without all this background, a homeowner can easily become injured um, in the process of trying to do a removal, and animals also can be hurt or could die because the homeowner doesn't know what they're doing. Um, over the years, we've come across um, homeowners that have sustained serious injury by falling off ladders. Um, homeowners, from our experience, they give more respect to handheld power tools than they do ladders, even though ladders, um, if not given the proper respect, can be lethal tools. Um, a fall from heights um, can be uh, not only deadly, but certainly um, Injury can, can sustain injury to the point of, you know, you could be um, paralyzed from the fall or, or worse. So just from the ladder perspective and getting up on a roof to deal with the point of entry where the animals are getting in, it's dangerous. But also there's a danger that exists when you're walking around inside an attic um, looking for the animal. Um, we had a, I had a homeowner going back about 10 years now. They went up in the attic during the raccoon birthing season, saw the, the babies in the corner, proceeded over towards them, only to have the mother raccoon charge at them, at this, this particular homeowner. He lost, because in the attic, you can't necessarily see the beams that you're walking on because they're covered in insulation. Um, he took a step back away to uh, avoid the raccoon and ended up stepping on the drywall ceiling. And he fell through the ceiling happened to land on the top of a staircase and continued to fall down the staircase. He ended up breaking his neck um, and was in traction for about six months. Um, I don't, don't know 
outcome was after that. But yeah, just not knowing what an animal might do when confronted, especially during baby season, can be uh, can be quite startling, and and certainly you may end up doing something or running off a roof or or stepping on an area in an attic that you uh, you probably shouldn't. So yeah, I, I think um, the best advice I give most homeowners is to um, let the professionals deal with it that uh, are comfortable on ladders, comfortable knowing um, what an animal may or may not do, and that they totally understand uh, the behavior and biology at the different times of year. To get in touch with Brad, visit GatesWildlifeControl.com or follow the links on this week's Defender Radio blog. Wild in the City with Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Bev McMullen, a photographer with the Metroland North Media Group family of newspapers, was both witness and avenger to a small bear's beating and subsequent death near Bracebridge, Ontario. The story has captured international attention. Pictures of a man trying to kill a bear with a rock during rush hour traffic late last year. Thanks to the photographs of events that Bev captured, the man is now facing charges. The following interview reflects Bev's opinions of what happened on that fateful November day, and charges have not yet been proven in a court of law. Thanks for joining us, Bev. Can you tell us what happened on that day? I had just got back to work from being um, away from my, on leave from my mother's death. And um, so, you know, it was very sad. And uh, But you see, I'm also uh, the hockey photographer. And, uh, well, I do all the photography. <laughs> and um, so it was like a really sad day because I had been to quite a number of um, November remembrance services. And so, yeah, there was sort of like, you know, a feeling of sadness because, you know, of uh, the services and, you know, what had gone on in my life. And But I just carried on with what I do. And um, so I cover the hockey, the Phantoms and South Muskoka Bears. So I went to a Bears game in Gravenhurst um, around dusk. And so I thought, okay, we're going to head back. I live in Bracebridge to Bracebridge. I'm going to get on the highway out of Gravenhurst onto Highway 11 and head up to head up to Gracebridge. And so when I was coming along uh, Bethune Drive, um, I saw this truck on the side of the road, and I thought, gee, I think this guy's going to pull out in front of me. And you know your gut reaction is usually right. So this guy kind of like pulled out in front of me, and I, I kind of thought, okay, that's kind of weird. And then I, I looked at the, down the road, and I saw like all these flashing lights, and I saw cars stopped and I thought geez something's going on so we pulled up this guy pulls up and then he pulls over to the side of the road I pull over behind him and I'm a photographer so I got a big camera around my neck now I go nowhere without it and um so I look at the side of the road and the first thing I see is beautiful bear and I thought oh of all the animals, you know, I mean, I love all the animals, but I hadn't seen a bear all summer. I hadn't seen a bear in the fall. Normally, I see quite a number of bears because I'm really out there. And here I have to see this beautiful bear in the middle of the road, very much alive. So anyways, I got out. The guy in front of me in the truck, he got out. And I, I looked at the bear and I looked at him and said, oh, my God, this bear is still alive. And he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, I hit it because he had hit it coming into Gravenhurst. And um, so I said, oh my goodness. I said, 
I'm going to call the OPP. He goes, no, no, don't call the OPP. And at this time, the traffic was backing up. There was lots of people. There was kids in the car. And there's this really poor hurt bear on the road. So he says, well, I hit it. I'm going to kill it. And I said to him, well, look, I said, um, OPP are on their way. They could ethically put this bear down. Um, you know, just let, let's just wait for the OPP. So he goes, no, I'm going to find a big rock and kill it. And I thought, you got to be kidding. You know, I've seen people try to kill uh, raccoons or cats. And, and um, you know, these animals are tough. Uh, how are you going to kill a bear with a rock? So he goes into, like, the ditch, and he doesn't find it, but he's got two kids in the truck with him. And it's, the one boy finds this rock. He goes, Dad, I found a big rock. So he takes this rock, and at no time did he say to me, like, who are you, and why are you out on the road, and why do you have that camera around your neck? So I just said to him, I looked at him, and said, you've got to be kidding. You're going to try to kill the bear with that rock. And he says, well, if you don't like it, to shut your eyes, right? So I did turn my head, and he did smash the bear with the rock. And it, you know, I don't want to tell you what went through my mind. And then I looked, and I, and I thought, oh, poor bear bear. You know, poor bear, poor little guy. And then this guy, he picks up the boulder again. And I am not lying, without a word of a lie. He did this like eight times to this bear. He was like in a manic dance trying to smash this bear's skull with this rock. And after like the you know, sixth time, I thought, okay, this is absolutely wrong. This is cruel. I'm, I'm a photographer. I have to document this. And, you know, so I basically, you know, I felt really bad. I absolutely did not want to show this poor animal. But I thought, if I don't do it, no one's going no to believe me. He is, you know, now I have the evidence. So I just started shooting. And I just started shooting. And he kept doing it. I thought maybe if I was shooting, he would stop, but he didn't. And at one point, while he was doing this, the bear got up and crossed the road. So he kind of kicked the bear down. But after all that, the bear gets up and walks across the road. And then he kicks the bear down, and then he started hitting it again on its head. And it was me and it was this other lady. We kept saying, please, don't do it anymore. We're waiting. The OPP are on their way. Now, the OPP were, like, literally just down the road, but I don't know what happened. They didn't show up. And we kept saying, please, can you just leave the bear alone? You know, like, let it, let it rest. Don't, don't hurt it anymore. And he goes, no. He goes, no. I, and with that, and this is kind of weird, and i not exactly 100% how this happened, but... Um, this guy came out from one of the cars. Now, I don't know um, if he had driven up or if he had been in the lineup, but it seemed as if this other guy was like his buddy, his friend. And I heard them talking about, about the bear and that they wanted to take the bear. And so the two of them pick up the bear by his front paws. And I said, guys, what are you doing? And I said, the bear is still alive. The bear is still very much alive. And um, so I got pictures of them dragging this poor bear across the road. And then his two kids, which would be like teenagers, uh, helped them put this still alive bear in the back of his pickup truck. And I kept running up, and the other lady kept running up. The bear is still alive, and he's not saying anything to me. And I thought, okay, so I took a shot of the bear in the truck, 
and poor thing, it's 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 alive. I mean, it's really hurt, but it's alive, and you know, beautiful animal. And then I thought, okay, so I just said to him, I said, where are you going? Which I mean, a stupid question. So anyway, I, I tried to get um, his license number, but what happened was. I didn't get it because by this time it was dark and he just booted off really fast. But he had his name on his coat. So um, we were able, this other gal who wrote the story, Kelly McShane, one of our reporters here, uh, we Googled it and we found out who this guy was. And what we did is um, we went to we went to his house and... Um, we found the bear with his, his throat slit strung up in the tree. This is what, you know, what I saw. And I knew um, that this was, like, really bad. And then, so I talked to my editor, Pamela Steele, and uh, she was amazing. You know, I said a really, really traumatic thing that happened. It was really upsetting. Lots of little kids witnessed this. And I said, um, this guy's really wrong. Um, I want to talk to the OSPCA and the MNR. So between myself and Kelly McShane, um, we followed up on the story. We we met with the with the OSPCA. They came here, talked to both of us, talked to me. Um, they saw my pictures, and and um, so we cut them disc for the pictures. And then Kelly gave a disc also to the MNR. And this one thing led to another. And then we ran this feature in the newspaper, and it really it went viral. Uh, the people were like massively upset with that this guy would try to take this bear out with a rock, and um, it was just a very upsetting thing to see. It was very upsetting for you know passengers to have to wait and watch this. Um, so you know all this stuff is kind of going into my head, and so this is what happened. Were you able to turn off your emotions when you began to photograph? as a reporter, you know what is right and wrong. And, you know, you're witnessing something that is so horrific, and you say, wait a second, you know, um, I'm going to document this. And um, because I don't think I'm wrong here. I think I'm right. I think this is cruelty at its, at its utmost. And uh, so, you know, what you do is you basically put your passion and your emotion on hold, and you go to work. And you just don't think about it. Because, like, later in the car, when I was driving home, you know, I really, I bawled my eyes out. I thought, oh, poor Bear Bear. I mean, there wasn't a damn thing I could do. Um, the guy wouldn't stop. And the, the OPP, unfortunately, didn't arrive in time. And so the thing was, okay, this little bear, if he's going to die, he's not going to die for, for no reason. You know, he's going to be, um, this man is going to have to uh, face these charges. And um, at we don't know what he's going to be charged with right now. We know he's charged, but we don't know what it's going to be. And, you know, what I think he did was morally wrong. Morally wrong for the poor bear. In the images, it looks like the bear was trying to cover his head as he crawled away. The bear did. What was breaking my heart, what was making me like just nuts, was the bear was covering his head and with his paws. And, um, you know, you, you, what... What I wanted to do is I, I wanted to pull the man away, but that wasn't going to happen. And uh, so I just thought, okay, um, you know, it's sort of like you photograph a bullfight to show the gory and and what a bullfight is about. You know, I'm not photographing a bullfight because I like what I'm seeing. I'm showing it to say, geez, 
maybe if you see how really graphic this is, they won't go to bullfights. They'll stop bullfights. And I thought, you know, okay, I'm mad. I'm mad too while I'm taking the pictures. And, you know, I wanted to get in there. I wanted to show what it was like. And, uh, you know, I, I, I basically had to put, you know, my passion aside, my emotion aside, and, and just work. APFA is proud of the actions taken by Bev. Her ability to remain focused on her job and document the horror before her has resulted in charges being brought in a case of cruelty. To read the original news articles or see Bev's photographs, follow the links on this week's Defender Radio blog. That's the show for this week, folks. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us and the ongoing support of Brad Gates at Gates Wildlife Control. To learn more about any of today's subjects, visit us at furbeardefenders.com. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.